Brothers and sisters, church life is made up of many things, from worship to evangelism to fellowship to education. But the main thing that we do is worship. And for that very reason, uh, it is good for us not to take worship for granted. It is the main thing that we do as a church, as the church. Uh, But why do we do this thing called worship? And I say that on purpose, this thing called worship, because it can easily turn into just that. When we gather each Sunday, we worship. Uh, Nobody shows up here each Sunday and says, oh, a worship service. Um, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, Not even, I wasn't sure that that was going to happen. We know what's going to happen when we come here each Lord's Day. Worship is what we do. It's the reason we are here each Lord's Day. The question is why? One way to answer is to say, because that's what the church does. That's what the church is. It's, it's what we do. It's tradition. And that's a legitimate answer. Uh, tradition and patterns in the church uh, are important and helpful for keeping us faithful to what we are supposed to be doing. But again, the danger is that we resort to that uh, or default to that reason. We, we regress to just following tradition, doing what we've always done, and keeping up uh, a generic pattern of church life. So it's important, and, and it will help us to stop every once in a while and revisit a, a basic understanding of why we do what we do. That's what I propose for the next several weeks, to revisit the teaching of God's Word and and thus the tradition that we follow with regards to worship. Why are we here? We should ask ourselves that question on some regular basis. And, 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 And what are we doing here? We should ask because if we don't, we again are likely to end up going through the motions rather than worshiping in in that way and for that reason that truly makes sense according to the faith we confess. As something of an aside, although serving the main point, the the question is worth asking on a personal level as well. Uh, I uh, I, I think that one of the reasons why we struggle and often fail to keep up a, a pattern of personal devotions, private worship, is that we are, are trying to do it only on the basis of obligation and, and expectation. Modern spirituality is a, is a dangerous thing. When, when spirituality becomes just a, a cultural expectation or a psychological need. I am supposed to be reading my Bible, so I will try harder to read my Bible. Uh, but the motivation is mostly to fulfill some cultural expectation. I'm I'm supposed to be spending time in prayer, and so I will try to spend more time in prayer, mostly to answer some expectation that I feel placed upon me. But isn't it true that we are best at doing, we, we are most often successful in doing that which we know we need to do, 
in order to stay alive, in, in order uh, to survive, and not just because there's some external expectation placed upon us. So if we apply this then to our corporate worship, to put it in a more simple way, to apply it to our together worship on the Lord's Day, then, then what we need to recognize is uh, not just the obligation, but, but the benefit to us. Here is the scourge, here is the problem of traditional Christianity. And I will admit that I am a traditional Christian, which means that I, I recognize and I am willing to point out uh, the value of tradition, the, the, the power of pattern, uh, the charisma of custom. But the scourge of traditional Christianity is that it tends to regress into custom without much thought. So I propose uh, that we think and that we think hard over the next several weeks about why we worship and the way that we worship God. So to start this uh, short series of sermons, I would have us to begin by asking and answering very basically why we worship at all. I think it will help us to ask and answer this question before we deal with why we worship God and why we worship God together each Lord's Day. Uh, those are the second and third matters, why we worship God and why we worship together. But the first question is, why do we, why do we worship at all? And what we need to see and, and admit about ourselves is that worship is just what we do. Which means that apart from all other questions, we need to admit that we will worship one way or the other, worshiping one thing or another, one thing or person or another, uh, true or false worship. Worship is just what human beings do. It really is it's just like breathing. Uh, we can ask the question, why do we breathe? Uh, and the answer is because we need to, to, to stay alive. But uh, even more basic than our need is identity, our, our, our character, what we are as creatures. Creatures are worshiping beings. And this takes us back to creation. It, it requires that we come to grips with the, the teaching of God's word regarding who and, and what we are from the beginning. We are creatures. But what does that mean? We tend to be able to oversimplify it, even to redefine it. But to be a creature is to, is to be a being, and yet a dependent being. We did not come to exist on our own, and, and we do not maintain our existence, that is, our survival, on our own. And this is worship at its most basic level. To worship is to recognize and acknowledge that we are creatures, that, that we owe, that we are in debt to some other force for our existence and for the continuation of our existence. The related question is, uh, or the related issue is the question, who will you serve in your life? 
the answer of rebellion against God, uh, the answer of pride and self-focus is to say, nobody. Uh, The sinner says, uh, I am not a servant. I am my own person. I will serve no one. But it's a myth. It's a myth to say, I will serve no one, because it's uh, it's like a hammer saying, I will not be a hammer. Or a cow saying, I will not be a cow. No matter what decision we pretend to make, we will always be a servant. The only question is, whom will we serve? In the very same way, it really is not a question of whether we will worship, only who or perhaps what we will worship. Someone can try to define worship down to a worship service, so that as long as that person doesn't show up and participate in, in, in an organized worship service, well, then he or she can claim not to be one who worships. But if worship means to recognize and acknowledge that we are creatures, that we are dependent on something or someone outside of ourselves, then everyone, everyone is a worshiper. Everyone worships. So why do we worship at all? Because it's just what we do. As much as we breathe, because we are creatures, so we worship. As much as we think, so we worship. Worship is just just as natural to human existence as breathing or thinking. We cannot not do it if we understand what worship is most basically is. And this is part of the part of the reason why it's so important to worship the one true God and and to worship him in that way that he has prescribed because by our sin we we are just as capable of worshiping in the wrong way as we are capable of pretending that we are not worshiping at all. We used to understand that, uh, that the two are connected, really, that, that the two are one and the same, worship and service. Right away, I, w- I would guess that we can still hear the connection, worship service. Everybody knows that expression. In the past, the church used to refer to the worship service, and, and maybe still today we hear it put that way, a, a worship service. But more and more, maybe you've picked up on this in the evangelical scene, uh, more and more it's just worship. Some years ago I would uh, regularly drive a, a stretch of highway and pass a billboard that uh, displayed one word on it, Worship, white letters against a a black background. It didn't say who to worship or where to worship or how to worship. It just said worship. And that's what worship largely has become in our day and culture. Whoever paid for that sign, which is uh, no small amount of money because if you know what billboard advertising costs, well, apparently they had plenty of money, but not much of an understanding of the human condition. Worship? 
Well, of course, everyone worships something or someone. Worship, yes, but will your worship be the matter of service? I think it's one of the compromises that the church has made in an effort to do business, to attract a crowd, to sell their product. Oh, you don't have to serve the one you're worshiping. We're done with that idea of a worship service. Just come and worship. Come as you are, come as you want. Just come and worship for the sake of a a worship experience. So why should we worship God? Why are we here? Why, why are we here even for a second service in this day? And yes, we, we still use the term worship service, although maybe we uh, don't put the needed emphasis on such wording. Uh, why do we worship God? If we, if we check ourselves, we might come up with all kinds of answers, many of them wrong. Maybe we too have fallen into the modern milieu of, of just worshiping for the sake of the experience, worshiping to add a bit of spirituality to my life, or maybe we worship to see and be seen, the, the social thing. Um, maybe it's the keeping up appearances reason for worship. Or maybe we worship because we want to honor a, a deceased parent. Mom would have wanted me to be here, and since she's still watching me from wherever she is, I, I better do it because she's watching. But the right answer, if, if we would care to hear it, is given by God's Word itself. Why do we worship God? Psalm 99 says, The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. First of all, we worship because God is the Lord. Once again, in all capital letters, He is the God of covenant relationship and covenant faithfulness to his people. He is not the unknown God that, uh, that leaves us to guess, which is actually our preference as sinners, that, that God, whoever or whatever God is, that he or it remains nebulous, cloudy, and always allowing us to guess and, and to decide for ourselves. If you think about it, the, the declaration to begin Psalm 99, the Lord reigns, is, is really a, a summary. If you think about it this way, it's really a, a summary of everything that Scripture tells of God up to Psalm 99 in Scripture. The Lord reigns. It refers to God having created all things. The Lord reigns refers to God having judged the earth by the, by the flood. The Lord reigns refers to God having appeared or or spoken to Abraham, promising to bless all nations through him. The Lord reigns, refers to God's love and, and his promise to send a Savior within the annals of time. 
But then comes a, a statement that to a large degree describes what true worship really is. The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. You can't separate the, the reign of God from what He has done in history. And, and when we come to know God by what He has done in history, then the only true response is to tremble before Him, to tremble in the knowledge of Him. So why do we worship God? Because we know Him. Because He has made Himself known to us. It has been said here before that if we truly know God, it will not be a, a bare decision to, to worship Him. We will, we will not decide out of pragmatism or, or from our own goodwill to worship God. We will not say, hmm, I think, I'll, I think I'll go to church and worship God this morning. No, to know God is to tremble before Him. The sure sign that someone has met up with God, so to speak, and has even an ounce of the, of, of the knowledge of God is that that person is cast upon his or her face before God in worship. The evidence for this abounds in Scripture. When God came walking in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve trembled before God in their sin, and they hid themselves. When God appeared to Abraham and said, Walk before me and be blameless, Genesis 17, Abraham fell on his face before God. When God appeared to Moses at the burning bush, Moses hid his face, we are told, for he was afraid to look at God. When God gave Isaiah the, the, that great vision of himself recorded in Isaiah chapter 6, the, the prophet's response was to say, you, you know it well, Woe is me, woe is me, for I am lost. Other versions say, I am, I am ruined. Paraphrase might be, I'm a dead man. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. It's worth pointing out that Isaiah even made reference to God by His covenant name. Um, not just that he saw God, even that he saw the God of grace and mercy, and yet he was ruined. When Peter came into relationship with Jesus, even God in our own flesh, when Peter beheld Christ in his divinity, he recognized him by a great miracle, and, and he fell at his knees, and he told him, Depart from me, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And one more reference in this short, non-exhaustive survey when John was given his great revelation, his great vision in, in the book of Revelation, uh, he records in the first chapter that he fell at the feet of Christ as though dead. So here is even our own indictment. 
that we can so easily come and go each Lord's Day, in and out, and we can, we can come with such a, a casual sense and by a casual fashion. The, and, and the point is not to beat up on anybody because, because we are each and all in the same position, the position of having God come to us, the point, <clears throat> the point of claiming to be possessors of the knowledge of God, and yet we worship God so easily, so casually, sometimes quite carelessly. We've all been guilty of it. I would guess that each of us has been guilty of it even in this day. The point is, is not that we should quit coming. The point is not that uh, we count ourselves unworthy of worshiping God in His very presence. We are unworthy, but we come in the worthiness of Christ. Let this be upon our minds and within our hearts as as we approach God to worship Him each Lord's Day. First of all, let's remember that that is indeed what we are doing. We are coming before God. But as we do so, as we are conscious of that, as we are intentional and deliberate about doing that which we know we are doing, then we ought to know that God is to be feared, that he is to be trembled before, but that to know God is to know him in Christ, to know that he is just and gracious to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John chapter 1. Well, in the Thursday evening Bible study, we recently came through John 17. And John 17 is, uh, is the chapter of John's Gospel where he records the high priestly prayer of our Lord. Jesus prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So Jesus clearly identified himself. He, he, he claimed for himself the authority to be our Savior. <coughs> and then he said this, <coughs> And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So we have already made an equation. <coughs> The knowledge of God equals the fear of God. So that the proper response, even the response that will prove that we truly know God, is that we tremble before Him. But now Jesus makes this equation for us, that that this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So, If A equals B, and A also equals C, well, then B equals C as well. The knowledge of God is the fear of God. The knowledge of God is salvation, eternal life. Therefore, even as we enjoy eternal life through Christ, uh, so we also fear God. 
The two are not excluded from each other. They equal each other. So also we tremble before him. So also we worship him because we know him, because he has saved us through the one who saves us through Jesus Christ. This is why Psalm 2 says, Now therefore, O kings, be wise, uh, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Do joy and trembling go together? They most certainly do when we know God and desire in faith to worship Him. This is why Psalm 130 says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. These are two verses, Psalm 2 and Psalm 130, two verses that connect for us saving faith and the fear of the Lord. When the world and the flesh want to equate salvation with hanging out with God, these verses teach us exactly the opposite. Scripture connects for us faith, even saving faith, and the believer's worship of God in fear and trembling. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. It's all because Christ is the revelation of God. It's because there is no way to know God except that we know Him through Christ. Only as God Himself reveals Himself to us in Christ. Therefore, at the very same time that we know God, so we come to be saved by God, and so we are brought to worship Him, and to worship Him in response to His revelation of Himself, and to worship Him in response to His gracious salvation, and yet to worship Him with fear and trembling. Exactly because we know Him, and by our knowledge of Him, because we have been saved by Him in Christ. So why do we worship? Because that's just what we do as creatures. We will always worship something, whether it's some false god of our imaginations, doing so because it feels good, it adds spirituality to the equation of our perceived well-being, or whether it's maybe Mother Earth, or maybe it's the government, which... uh, which so often pretends to stand in the, in the place of God. We worship that to which we entrust our very lives. But why do we as Christians worship God? Because we know Him. Because we know that He is God. Because we have a right knowledge of Him. Because we know that the Lord reigns, that He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. So that when we worship Him, as we worship Him, we tremble before Him. And we call others, even the whole world, to tremble before Him. And we worship at His footstool. Because holy is He. And so finally, why we worship God together. To this point, we have been talking mostly about 
personal worship, what, what you know, what I know, what each of us uh, knows personally and, and individually. So, so why isn't that enough? Uh, why do we gather to worship and gather to worship God? First of all, quite simply, because it is the will of God. God would have a people that worship Him. And our great comfort is that we therefore are not alone. Uh, The call to worship in Psalm 99 is for even the peoples to tremble before Him. Let them praise your great and awesome name, for holy is He. Even as it has already been said, that to know God is to worship Him, so to know God is to worship Him together with all His people. Now we are a a small congregation, but our great comfort is that we are not alone. The people of God in Christ are gathered in this day throughout the world. We have our differences. We are from every ethnicity on the face of the earth. We are Asian or American or African or, or European, but we are the people of God in Christ. Once again, the the rote nature of customary worship based only on tradition rears its ugly head when we give little thought to the advance of the Son each Lord's Day. As God's own Son brings light to the earth, each side of the earth rises up each Lord's Day to worship, to respond in praise to the knowledge of God so that throughout each Lord's Day, there are those throughout the world always who are worshiping God. And one day, hopefully not too slow in coming, there will be no more night. And in that day, all the earth at one time in joyful assembly will worship together. We cannot even imagine, of course, how that will happen or what ultimately it will be like. We only know that it will be. And we know it again by the promise of God in His Word. But let's not be overly theological. Let's, let's be practical as well. Let's, let's recognize that we need each other. As fellow believers in Christ, I need you, and you need me, and you each need each other. We share a common faith. If we are each committed to worshiping God, then let's do it together. Only let us be aware, let us be thoughtful that that we are indeed doing it together. Personal worship, private worship, family worship is well and good and as exactly as it should be, but, but it must come together each Lord's Day. And next time we will give focus to why we worship on the Lord's Day. Tradition? A pattern to follow? Why do we worship on the Lord's Day, the Lord's Day being the, the first day of each week? It is tradition. It, it, it is worth continuing for that reason but why is it tradition it's not wrong to question tradition at least not when we are seeking to ground tradition in the word of god 
There is reason for the church's worship of God on the first day of each week. And it's an important reason. But it all starts with why worship at all? Because we, we always will. We, we will worship. The next question, what or who will we worship? And, and if we would worship God, the only God, the one true God, it will be because we know God and that we know Him through what He has done for us in Jesus Christ. And if we have such knowledge through Christ, then we will worship together. It cannot be otherwise. If we know God through Christ, if, if we share a common faith in Christ, if we are together remembering and looking forward to all that is ours in Christ, then of course, of course we will be together. And the Lord willing, we'll be together again next Lord's Day and we'll uh, take our study further uh, within God's holy word. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we do many things. But the main thing is that we worship you. As the church, we do things that we can easily lose track of the reason for why we're doing them. So we pray that you would instruct us out of your word in coming weeks. And we pray that uh, this would be helpful to each of us, perhaps as a reminder, perhaps as uh, teaching us something new. That we would thus become more thoughtful, more intentional, more deliberate, that we would be uh, those who honor you more with both heart and mind. Indeed, as we worship you personally and privately and as families, but the Lord especially, as we worship you together each Lord's Day, O Lord, teach us. Teach us why we do what we do. And may it be all the more honoring to you and all the more of a blessing to us as a result. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.